He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Delray Beach, Florida, here's Bruno DiGiulio. Welcome to the Fountain of Youth Week. Go in the Southwest States as well there, Ron Flatter. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Oh, eagerly awaiting two pretty good races, although maybe not as fantastic as we're going to see down the line. But some big-name three-year-olds are going to be coming out on the track. We're going to see Essential Quality making his three-year-old debut. We're going to see Greatest Honor stake his claim on whether he should be in the favorite's role, or at least vying for it when he races in the Fountain of Youth. Same day as Essential Quality will be rematched with the two-time Grade 1 winner, Jackie's Warrior, and as well, Spielberg shipping in from California for the Southwest Stakes. So the Fountain of Youth, because it's always a wonderful race as far as a prep for the Derby, and the Southwest Stakes coming up pretty salty with three good horses. So a good weekend coming up. And you know what else is coming down? Well, yeah, I'm going to guess rainfall. Right. Yeah, too bad. However... Well, now, now wait, wait a minute. Where's the rainfall? Florida or Arkansas? Oh, Arkansas. Uh, it never rains in Florida, does it? Ha ha. No, no. They did. They got the, the they got the uh, the song all wrong. You know. <laughs> yeah, but and I always thought it was the Beach Boys. That it's not the Beach Boys. What you you mean? It never rains in Southern California. Man, it pours. Man, it pours. Yeah. Albert Hammond. Yes. The yeah. Beach Boys redid it, but uh, they did. I think they did. Yeah. I don't know about that, but maybe uh, we can well. get them to sing something for us. Uh, well, you know, we have to have a podcast that we do mention the Beach Boys, you know, so. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, we had a really great Zoom, and we talked about our new pace figures, the Zeta figs. Yeah, Zeta, Zeta, Delta and Zeta. You got a nice tandem going in there. Sounds like a yeah. nice sorority. Uh, only Flatter would go there, but okay. Delta Zeta sorority. It's a legitimate sorority. There's also the Delta Zeta Delta sorority. I was thinking about more the number function. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, um, really enjoyed the, uh, we were going to turn it over so you can listen in on our discussion about the Zeta figs. It really helps the handicapper uh, to a point to where they can identify the right speed to play. And I'm very excited for uh, uh, to be able to um, produce such figures. It took us 36 hours, basically, to write the code to, to get it all set up and do it nationwide and you know, and no, so far, no bugs. So uh, we're bug-free. And why don't we find out how the sausage is made as we delve into the Zeta figures? I decided that I was wanted to tackle pace figures. But how are we going to do pace figures? And, and what are we trying to accomplish? All I want to do with pace figures is to see who is the better speed, not who's the speed of the race. Because right now, handicappers, and, and I know a lot of you would, would say, well, raise your hand. But if you, if you really want to hear, if you really want to understand the microcosm of the way the world is handicapping these days, listen to TVG. Who gets the lead? Who's got the the best figures and if there was a rail bias or, or there was a bias last time out. 
That is the three questions you hear the most from handicappers. Who gets the lead? Well, are they doing that with pace figures? Or are they doing that by just looking at the ones, the twos, the threes? Oh, this one's a stalker. Or this one's a horse to be on the front end. And, and then they try to tell you where the horse is going to be. And, oh, well, he's going to be sitting right behind him. My favorite one from one of their analysts is, well, this horse could go for the lead or he, could, he might not. Let me repeat that one. This horse could be going on, uh, be good to the lead or he might not. What is that? So when you're a handicapper and you're looking at it, I want to quantify what speed is. If there's three speed horses in the race, I want the one with the most speed. I want the one that ability that has this basically to say, you know what? I can sit right off of you or I can sit inside of you and I can just say sayonara. People don't do that. So how do we do that? So we ran uh, um, all of our data. We did it for each track, for each distance. For And I came to – and we, we really modeled it after the Delta figures. What we did is we came up with a figure for the half mile. Now we tied it in to this condition. And – we came up with a number. And coming up with the number, taking into account the speed of the track that day, just like in, 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 in the Andy Byer books, we have a delta, we call, we call them a, a zeta figure. The zeta figure is a sixth letter of the Greek alphabet, but also it also means it is a, a, a number, it, it's, it's a mathematical term which i thought was appropriate so now i can sit there and i say okay what race do i use with the delta figures we only go too deep on on that surface the reason being is i want my figure to be representative of current form when you're looking at the sheets you have to go back three, four races and say, well, he did this here, then he did this here, then he did this here. You're actually looking at something that might have happened six months ago, six weeks ago, 12 weeks ago, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. That tells you absolutely nothing of today of the current form. By going two figures back, I'm going to get a true reading of where that horse is. So, number one, it's a current form figure. Number two, it's tied into the conditions of the race. So, in the conditions of the race, horses add weight and lose weight. I want to know. For example, if you look at the Southwest, and Ron, you can pull up the entries. Can you give me the weight assignments on the Southwest? So, when I'm looking at weight assignments... I want to know if a horse is carrying 115. I'll, I'll give it to you from ins I can give it to you from inside out. Essential quality 119. Safa's day 117. Last Samurai 117. Jackie's Warrior 119. Santa Cruiser 117. Woodhouse 117. 
Spielberg 119. So the big three are carrying two pounds okay. a piece more. However, so now I want you to think about this. What are they going to carry in today in the Kentucky Derby? 126. So any one of these horses that are going to run in the Southwest, in the Kentucky Derby, the 119s are going to be kicking up seven pounds, and the 117s are going to be kicking up nine pounds. I remember when sudden breaking news won the Southwest uh, a number of years ago. Everybody was, ooh, what a great, that's a, that's a derby horse. Wow. He was carrying 115. So it means in the derby, he was going to carry 11 pounds over off that effort. 11 pounds is a big difference in going a mile and a quarter. So to me, when you get a horse that just wanted 116, and now he's going to jump up and he's going to carry 122 because of the condition – you have to adjust. You have to adjust your figure by distance and for that weight, and 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 you adjust it, and then you're you're, you're kind of making a a assumption that that horse won't that horse will be a bit handicapped because of that weight. Now, why is that? How many horses you see? And I'm uh, Aaron uh, owns horses. Aaron, how many horses you hear from your trainer tell you, you know what, in that race, we're going to carry too much weight. And, you know, if we run here, we're going to call it 117. That horse can't carry 121. Some of my trainers believe in it. Some of them don't. Yeah. Um, I, I believe weight, they may not show it in that race, but it takes a toll on. It takes a toll. Then, you know, because why do horsemen want to put the lightest weight guy, or want to put a heavy guy to work horses, but they want a light guy in a race? How many, how many trainers want to put a 130, 125, 130 rider, 140 rider on in the morning? Because they want to get them fit. But in the races, you want to put a 115. How about when these trainers, and I give you, um, Romans does it with Tammy Fox. Uh, Marty Wolfson used to do with his riders. Tammy Fox weighs 90 pounds and he's putting her on horses that are going to add 30 pounds in their next start. Dennis's moment has never been the same because he couldn't take it. He couldn't take that weight. He couldn't take the pressure physically. And I always note that. So tie in, tying in the, the weight that they're adding or taking off has an effect. Uh, and I will say one thing. A lot of claiming trainers will put a bug boy on a claiming horse with speed and drop them down to win. Why? They're trying to kick that weight off that claiming horse. You keep weight off a claiming horse, you're, they're going to last longer. You run them in a, in a different company. You run them at a lower level with weight off. You're going to get you're going to get the horse not not get overtaxed and you can bring them back. Yes, Ron. Yeah. Let me ask you because we have a unique circumstance this year because the Southwest was postponed two weeks. I doubt that any of these horses will be coming back for the rebel, the rebel in two weeks, you'll carry 117 or 122. So let's say they come back for the Arkansas Derby where they're carrying 118 or 122. How do you distill that? Uh, it, it's just, you know, when I see a horse win the, 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 Arkansas, the Arkansas Derby carrying 118, 
Um, he's going to add eight pounds in the Kentucky Derby. Right, but but if it's let's say let's say it's essential quality, essential quality won't get one eighteen. He'll get one twenty two. Right, but look what he carried in the Breeders' Cup. Okay. See, he's shown you can do that. Yep. Okay. We, you know, we talked about this two weeks ago. Why do we put 122, 119 to 122 on two-year-olds? First-time starters. Look at California. They carry 122 to 123, 121. First-time starters in California. Uh, Aaron, I think in New York it's about 119 to 121. Well, the lowest is 118, depending on the time of the year, and then they scale up. But the jockeys are allowed two extra pounds that aren't being calculated in the wintertime. Right. So why are, we, why are we putting 120 on babies? And then you look at the race next door. It's an allowance optional claimer for five-year-olds and, and 10-year-olds, I'm just saying, and they're carrying 116. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Weight can hurt your babies. So... And it can hurt your horse that can't handle it. And sometimes, so when I went to make my figures, I incorporated that because I wanted to incorporate the conditions of the race. Well, how can I? How can I incorporate a condition of the race except with weight? Hey, Bruno. Yes, sir. Question. What if you have a trainer like Larry Jones that trains his horses who's a lot heavier. When's the last time he's had a good horse? I, I don't know. I'm, th I'm that's saying, a good question. But what I'm saying is, how do you take that in? It's wear and tear. And also what the problem with Larry Jones is everything goes off fast for him. He works that's his horses. They go out, they, they go from the pole. And, and I swear, if, if, you know, let's say it's men at work, it's going to be 11 and 2, 22 and 4, 34 and 4, 46 and 4, and a minute and 2. He's coming home in 13 and three with no gallop out. So, and then when he gets them, he puts big, big riders, 175 to 180 pounds. He weighs probably 200. Right. And, and I think that, I think that is one of the issues of him developing good horses. Now it's because he too much weight on him on, all the time in the morning and they rattle around there, you know, on the, you know, and their gallops too. They're not shy about it. I call it the Flintstone mobile because I always see their feet going up from underneath the horse. So, uh, you know, it, it, to me, and this is not knocking Larry Jones. He's got his own way of doing it and how he does it. But when's the last time he's had a good horse? And that is true. True. So it's all there's, 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 there's a cause and effect. You know, Larry might tell you, well, you know, I've changed. I don't get the same stock anymore. That's probably true. But you have to have a tough SOB of a racehorse to be able to take the weight, take the pounding, take everything, and take the racing and keep going. So, um, you know, they're the method of their madness. However, a lot of horses go by the wayside. And a lot – and you guys – see, there's, there's another difference. I have spreadsheets that have every horse that's worked in the country, every single one. And I have them by trainers, by markings, by color, where they ran last. I have everything. So I'm able to look and say, what does Chad Brown have? What does Todd Pletcher have? Even before they started, I've got them all. So when I see those, and I could develop my own roster of every barn, and I see they've got 252-year-olds and 65 of them start, 
Guys, that's a third, a third of their horses start. A little practice for you. When they start opening up the Oklahoma at Saratoga, look at all the, the tabs that are full with all these two-year-olds. And then a month later, try to find some of those two-year-olds. You'll be hard-pressed to find 50%. You might even find only 20%. Why? Because they weed themselves out. Um, and it's just a really, really big part of the game that you don't see is the number of two-year-olds that go by the wayside. Let's not even talk about two-year-old in training sales. They gear up 5,000. I mean, what, what was a what was a two-year-old? Uh, what was a uh, full crop for uh, the two-year-olds this year? Probably, I think the full crop was like 12,000, 13,000 foals. 45% of them are going to go try to make it in the two-year-old training sales. 30 to 45% will try to make it into the two-year-old training sales. 3,000 of them will go through. We can just go through the numbers. Daisy Tipton at, at, at Gulfstream Park will have um, probably 300 to 600 heads. Let's say five. Well, they have one. They have 185 and 186 in the sale this year, but they'll only they sell 120. They'll, okay. Yeah, they'll get down uh, to 120. Uh, it's OBS March that has probably about three to 600. Right. OBS, OBS April is the biggest. OBS April will be 1,200. So now you're talking already 2,000 horses. You got Daisy Tipton Maryland. We'll have another three to 500. Now you're talking, what, about uh, 2,500. OBS uh, summer is going to carry another 1,000. You got 3,500. So now you got 3,500 that are going through a two-year-old training sales. And I probably am missing one or two sales. Yeah. Then, Bruno, we had 18,950 last year. Right. First so time we've been say, under 19,000 in a zillion years. So let's say that 5,000 or more horses were pointed for the two-year-old in training sales. That's what? That is a third of the full crop? You're taking a third of the full crop almost right out of the two-year-old because a lot of those two-year-olds won't run to the latter part of the year. So now you're left where, if let's say you got 6,000, a lot of them won't make it. You've got 12,000 horses to go, and you're going to have to cut out a lot of the horses just were no good. So maybe you're going to have a, a, a full crop that could go – Probably between six to seven thousand. That's not a lot. So when you have trainers that have two hundred two-year-olds, and only a quarter of them are going to make it to the races that summer, that's. That, I mean, that that ends up adding up. It's math. So when when you look at weight, when you look at pressure, and you look at all those things, when I look at at, at horses, I look at what makes them run fast. A lack of pressure and a lack of weight. And that weight could be from their training. That weight could be from anything. So that's why I wanted to incorporate weight into it. It's a bigger issue than, than people really want to make it out to be. The good horses run through anything, guys. Right through anything. The cheaper horses, you put two extra pounds on them, they won't run. Because you get wind going, you get a crosswind that's, that gets it, they won't run. 
I've watched at Paul Meadows in the most windiest conditions. The good horses, they cut through the wind like they're on a sailboat. And you get the horse on the inside of them, it gets pushed sideways and doesn't handle it. Even though they're big and strong, they just don't handle it. Just like us. Each one of us is different. We handle different things. So when I wanted to make figures, I really wanted to attack, uh, attack it from a different perspective than right. anybody else does. Most people do the numbers. It's the speed of the track with the final time. And they get a figure. And then they go, well, you know what? That figure, I'm going to project. This source should run this. Or I'll build a, the, the, I'll build a, the, the number off the third and fourth place finisher, which I have a huge, I, I think there's a huge issue with making figures like that. Then you get the guy says, well, if they go four wide, I'm going to give them credit for it. Well, some horses run easier four wide without dirt in their face and in, and in the open and in free than the horse in between or the horse in the middle. So the sheets, they, they, they believe in loss of ground, but I believe that there's a, there, there's a balancing of, of horses that if you're between horses going too wide and you're four wide, the two wide horse is actually under more pressure because he's got two horses on either side applying that pressure. There we go again with the pressure. Pressure means weight on a horse. You know, even though it's not talking about physical weight, it's the weight on the horse that put the pressures on. So what happens? Certain horses can't take the pressure. They fold. You get that same horse, put it four wide, totally different scenario. Uh, there's some tracks where you can't win four wide. There's some tracks that you can win four wide. There's some tracks you can't win down on the inside, but you can win three wide. So a lot of the times in figures that take into consideration on, on, on loss of, of ground, you can, there's a lot of other factors involved. What I wanted to do is I wanted to have a number that looked at weight, and it looked at it from, from a, 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 a purely pure standpoint that that's what they ran. I'm not going to adjust it. I'm not going to play with it. That's what they ran. So when I've done the Delta figs, and now I'm going to approach the Pace figs on a, on, on a similar level. I'm going to look at them and say, okay, they went this figure for the half mile. And, and I will tell you, on greatest honor, in the face it in the uh, holy bull the times don't make sense it doesn't make sense tarantino didn't run 25 lengths 25 points better than he ever ran before something it, i we did this i timed the race i don't know if that race is correct i don't know if they put the the gate in the right spot i don't know if the timing was correct in that race because from the gate to the to the wire at the 16th ball, I got 143 and one. That's exactly the final time. Actually, I got 145 and one. That's two seconds faster than 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 the race. There's no way with with the 40 to 60 foot run up. There's no way you have a two and a half second differential, two seconds differential. And and, and whatever I whenever I time it, I've timed it ten times. It not it doesn't make sense to me. So now when I did, when I looked at the numbers for greatest honor, I don't believe them because they're based on that time. So what do I do? I bet against them because if you have a question 
about that race being 143 and change. And I had it slower. Your num- all the numbers across the country are wrong. So, and that's a huge problem with Gulfstream. You guys know that. It's been a problem in New York. Been a problem in a lot of places. So when you're looking at races, sometimes, and I'm looking even at my own figures, I have to sit there and, and, and make a decision. On the pace, what we've done is develop the, 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 the Zeta figures just like the Deltas would wait. When you have a Zeta figure on the dirt, it is, it is, the factors are heavily counted on the pace of the race, the pace of that horse, that horse. On the turf, we flipped it. We want to know who has the best closing speed. What happens on the turf is riders get in position for the stretch run. Pace, it is not as important as it is on dirt. In dirt, you go to the lead, you go as fast as you can, you open up a competition, you run them into the ground, and you stagger to the wire. That's how they run dirt. They decrease their speed coming home. And the final fractions on dirt are usually can be misleading uh, misleading from horses picking up ground because everybody's decreasing speed. On the turf, everybody gets into a position early to finish. So what, why would I want to put all my eggs in the basket in early pace when I've got to get a jock on the turf to put him in that position? The jock is more important than the pace in the position in the position on the turf course. And so I want to know who's the fastest in the stretch. You know, like anything, it's assessing each individual horse with each other. But then again, if I got a horse that shows up with a big, you know, he made a big close from fifth to got beat a half a length, and his fast final, his final fraction is slow? Uh-uh. No. Because that was an illusion. Or I get the horse that set fifth or sixth and closed into a really strong late figure, and he gets a very strong final figure. I want to know that horse because next time out, he might be in a position where they crawl home and he goes right by him. That's why turf racing is so hard sometimes for people. They don't realize that there are differences. Just like in pace on dirt, there's differences in pace, late pace on turf. So goes back into another thing that Robert brought up, trouble. Some horses get in trouble in slow races. What does that mean? What happens if they're in a faster race? They can't can't overcome it because they're not fast enough. I love the horse when he ran first time out, and we showed it here. I think it was on a big day at um, Gulfstream. I think it might have been on Pegasus Day. It was a horse that Jose rode named uh, Comedy Town. And he ran a five furlongs, stopped two, three times, Got caught caught at the eighth pole. I think he got uh, inside the eighth pole. He got steady. 
And I was talking to a, a friend of mine. Oh, let me just say he's an acquaintance. And he says, yeah, I looked at that replay. He didn't finish after he got stopped. He got stopped within like five yards of the 16th ball. And he still finished, I think, third. And he poo-pooed on the whole idea. I don't, I, don't, I don't discuss stuff like that with him anymore. Next time out, the horse wins. You know? And I always wanted to call him and go, I guess he didn't finish, right? But I didn't because there's no use to it, you know? So a lot of the times when people watch races, they automatically watch races emotionally and they make their opinions emotionally instead of looking at it for what it is. Comedy Town was live. He ran in three, four, uh, three, four roadblocks. He got a great education. Next time out, he was on the lead on the inside with Jose and won easy and paid five to two. So, and it wasn't a big price, you know, but, oh, by the way, let me add something to that. If somebody tells you, hey, this horse, uh, I love the horse today and he won. And the first question you ask him, how much did he pay? And if he says he paid 580 or he paid 780 or 880 and you go, uh, you know, get out of the game. Just get out of the game. Because your mind is so ingrained into looking for these big prices that if somebody likes a horse and the horse pays 780 and you're going to look at him and say, I eh, only paid 780 I had a horse that broke a track record. I had, a, I had 20%. I was trying to sell 20% of this horse. He was a fast horse. I kept telling people, this horse is a runner. He's fast. Call my trainer. Ask him. You know, and I ended up, you know, a couple other guys bought it, but a few of the guys that turned me down, I was walking out after I got out of the winter circle. Go, hey, nice win. That's a nice horse. I said, that's the horse I was trying to get you to buy. And he goes, and he looks on the board. He goes, well, he only paid 380. He just <laughs> broke the track record. He won. He galloped out 15 in front. And you're going to look on the board and tell me and, and pull on my horse because he paid 380? Don't be like that. If, you, if you're like that, you'll never win at the races. You'll never win. So, number one, respect the horses, whatever they pay. And if somebody likes a horse and they win, respect them for it. Because you know what? You probably haven't picked a winner in the last you know, few days. And maybe you should respect them, you know? But zero that, gravity, zero gravity. You know, hey, that horse won easy. I mean, he just blew by and paid $21. I was, using my, I was using my late figures on that. I hadn't posted, I hadn't, um, we hadn't done the automated part yet, you know, with my webmaster and run the, the formula to be able to, you know, to be able to run them across the country. So I couldn't post them yet, but that's how I got that. I got that horse off the blaze fractions. Um, so... I talk a lot about how to conduct yourself and how to look at races. That structures you into who you are as a handicapper. I catch myself sometimes I get beat by a horse and I go, how many times you guys have done it? That horse is a pig, you know? How many times you've done it? I got beat by that thing. 
And then I got to catch myself because even though I'm at home and nobody hears me, I got more respect for the game for that than that. More respect. So if a horse beats me, he beats me. You know, I want to say bless his heart like they do in Kentucky. That's like giving the middle finger, you know, but that's, you know, but just, you know, I think I get guys are going, God, that horse is such a bad horse. Yeah. How bad is your horse? And you got beat by him, you know? So I have to always remember myself that, okay, if I get beat by that horse, I got to remind myself, my horse was worse, you know? So as a handicapper, you want to grow as a handicapper. You want to grow as a racing enthusiast, which will make you a better handicapper. Cut out all that crap, all that emotional BS. Move it out. Because then when you're looking at the numbers and you're looking at those things that we do, when I like, when I look at a horse, see, I'm totally different. I'm looking at the numbers and, and the handicapping, but when I want to look at a horse when he's working, I'm looking at the way he's moving. So I'm using both parts of my brain or maybe half of parts of my brain, like my mother used to say, you know? Bruno, yeah. can I ask another question? Who asked that? Aaron. Aaron did. Oh, yeah. Hey. Hey, I, I really like the way the Zetas are going to accompany the Delta figures because I believe a lot of races are situational and horses get it's more positioning. And a lot of times, especially in a very, you know, uh, evenly match field. So I think that's great. The only question I have is the, is like when they horse one of the turf races, it was a main track only is his Zeta figure that his, his dirt speed figure or no, is that his closing I, kid? I, I, and then also the second part of that question. So you can answer both at the same time is, is when we have an off the turf day, is there a way to get the up chain? Uh, you know, cause the Zetas are going to flip obviously, or you know, I, change. Um, here's what I envision but it takes um, some really good code writing to do it. What I envision, first of all, you're right. It will show you the late figure, not the, 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 the fast figure. For the main track only horse, right? Yes. However, there's two ways I can do this. We run an algorithm on all the races with all the handicapping factors. You guys have seen that on some of the tracks where it has like top two delta and points. What I'm thinking of doing is not only having the analysis, but actually running those points on the bottom, which gives you an idea of what are the handicapping factors we're using. Because we only use our handicapping factors. We don't use sheets. We don't use buyers. We don't use, we use our workout reports, our figures that we all generate on our own database. So it's very interesting. And, and I thought, uh, you know, cause I don't, I don't bet. I know I'm probably the only one on the, on the webcast that doesn't bet. And what's the matter for you? What's the matter for you? Owning them is a big enough bet, but the, 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 is there maybe a way to put like um, the Zeta figures in green that we know that it's the closing grass, you know, or cause this grass is green well, what, or, what, or what, maybe the other ones in Brown for, so we, well, we can know if I'm there's thinking, a problem. Well, here's the thing, what I'm thinking of doing is I'm actually thinking of trying to write the code See, also the space is the problem. Um, I'm trying to write to where I can toggle a switch behind the scenes 
that I can switch it to turf to dirt or dirt to turf. So if a race is on turf, it gets moved to dirt. It should only really one way because they don't move from the dirt to the turf. Right. If I can get it to, I can, I can have my webmaster who's awesome, understands the game. All I have to do is bring him an idea and how I want it. And he bring, and he does it. And we, him and I sit there on the phone, which takes time too, Aaron. It's sit on the phone and we go back and forth and we vision what we want to have. We did the whole Zeta thing and put it up there in less than 36 hours. We, I had a, a vision of what I wanted. What I want to have is ability to go in my admin area and hit a switch and say, okay, you know, like go to left to right for turf or dirt. And what it'll do is it'll go automatically all those entries in that race for turf switch over to dirt, including the deltas and everything. So stay tuned with me on that. And I'm also working on another project that it's going to blow you guys away. It's been something that we've been working on. And basically, it's revolving about trainer patterns, but in a different way. We are going to put trainer results on a graph by week, by, by, week, by month, by, by year, by track. In other words, you're going to be able to see what does Christophe Clement do in the summer at Belmont? Let me see. What did he do in 2020? Well, what? Look at that. Look at the spike up on January, on July 1st, all the way through the middle of July. He spikes up and then he goes down at Saratoga. Well, what about 2019? Did he do the same thing? What about 2018? What about at Saratoga? Who spikes up where at part, first part of the meet and who sp- spikes up late? Does Rudy Rodriguez fire every time early at, at, at Saratoga? Well, maybe in 2021 and 20, 2020 and 2019, he started off really hot the first week, cooled off, and then won a bunch of races in the last week. So wait a minute. So is this a pattern? Let me go check in 2018 and 2017. What did Rudy do? Trainers are more creatures of habit than, tra- than, jockey, than, 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 than horses. They are far more creatures of habit. They all have a certain time that they win races. And I really believe that. So by being able to do that, and that's the next project I have going, that's why I can't go back and and do the other one we were just talking about. So that's the next project. The ones you were just talking about, you're going to put the toggle on the distance too, because if it comes off the turf, they might switch to a seven furlong. Or we something. just look at dirts, the dirt were out under one turn, dirt over two turns. I, it, let me work on that. Okay, Kevin, when you guys, I mean, there's a lot, like some other person brought up something earlier, all weather tracks. How do we handle all weather tracks? Um, all weather tracks and synthetics are, um, I'm not going to change the numbers, but I'm going to look at them different. I'm going to look for the horse that goes 30, 30 with, with speed to finish 40, 40, meaning that the same speed to have early, they have late, because that's the kind of horse that wins on synthetics, not the brilliant speed horse. The brilliant speed horse with the high pace figures can't separate from the rest of the field. So, And this is I'm just spitballing here in my mind on synthetics on how to look at them. So in a year, I might have a different 
way of looking at things from a standpoint of pace figures. Where do they work? Where they don't work? Do they work on off tracks? Do they not work on off tracks? So I will have all that data um, by the results that my, that my daughter's does makes for me. Um, so, so stay tuned. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll have more updates on that. I've got a lot of ideas that I want to do. I, there's a lot of ideas of where, uh, uh, you know, we track individual, like I said, individual patterns for each individual trainer at individual times of the year. Um, and then eventually, what if we could do that with horses too? What if I could graph a horse's career year by year? And all of a sudden you start seeing, I have seen horses run big on the same day, every, uh, on the same week, every year. It'd be just like the thoroughgraph sheets, right? You can see that with thoroughgraph sheets are looking at numbers. I'm looking at performance. I'm looking for patterns. I'm looking for, for how long does it take the horse to come back around or is there You're looking at form cycles? Well, it's form cycles, but it's looking at it for that time of the year. Because how many times you've sure. seen a horse, uh, Aaron, how many times you've had a horse that has been more of a fall horse than has ever been a summer or spring? Well, especially with horses that don't sweat that well and are not that comfortable in certain conditions. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so I didn't realize we we're in hour number going into hour number. Uh, after two hours, God, time flies. You no, know, that's easy to see on thoroughgraph. I think, you know, at the same time of the season, if they have the good numbers every single summer, you can see them fall. That's a clear pattern there. Yeah, I true. But we're not putting the numbers on there. We're putting performance. We could put the numbers on there, you know. But I want to see more of a graph of 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 of, of when it happens. And then I will look at a trainer and match it up with the horse and see if the trainer and the horse matches up. Because I've seen Clement do that. And you've seen it too, Aaron. He comes up in, in, late, July, in late, late June. All of a sudden, he fires with everything. At the end of February, he does it at Gulfstream. I'm really interested to see if he does it this year. So there's certain times of the year where they do that. And there's reasons for it. Clement may do it because he's got horses getting ready because he can get them to run well in, in, in March and then go straight to Belmont. Instead of winning early in the meet, and taken off, and then all of a sudden going through a lull, and then he's got to bring them back up into for the Belmont meet. Instead, he can get them ready, give them races, pop them with them in March, and move up, you know, right through Belmont. So that's another thought, you know, that, that could happen. Um, and I saw that a lot when they moved to an early uh, December. Uh, when, they, when they moved to early December to kick off this Gulfstream Park meet, it really used to start on January 2nd. So the meet really started on January 2nd. So in March, in, in, in February, they were still getting their horses ready, really, to, 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 to tackle in the, the March and April going into Belmont because a lot of the New York guys are here. And that's another part of looking at it. I know you have Linda Rice as your trainer, Aaron, and um, you have to look at it and say, you know she's ready to fire at certain times of the year. Right. She points for the winter. She starts slowing down. She takes a break with the horses uh, – 
at the end of Belmont, the Belmont fall. So she has the fresh horses for the winter time. So she'll try to do well in Saratoga because, you know, that, that attracts owners and, you know, more clients. And then when Belmont fall comes around, she'll, she'll kind of slow down the stable and then try to change the horses around to get ready for the winter. So it'll be very interesting to see what it comes up with. And at the end of the winter comes this time of the year, she starts dropping the cheaper ones to win races, to try to win the title. And to know that those horses aren't going to, they're not going to be races for those horses when Belmont comes around the grass grows and I mean, turf season comes along and, and she doesn't have another division anywhere. So she needs to move those horses on. And, and, and so there, there, there is some, some interesting background to what I was talking about and what that would look like, because you get to see the, the insider inner workings of how trainers, because you can't just go all out all the time with your barn and, and, and try to win unless you're Todd Fletcher, who's got five. No, 100 percent correct. And a lot of people that don't have multiple divisions, you know, they have a lot of two year olds that want to come in. They need to get rid of horses to because it's stall space. So, room. you know, yeah, yeah but you don't know everyone's position. A lot of people with Saratoga opening, you could have 100 horses in training up in Saratoga and not have a problem. But the guys, the people that don't split their stable and that are stuck at Belmont with a 40 stall maximum, they want to get those two year olds and they'll start sacrificing horses just to make room for those two year olds which probably isn't a good idea. Like you say, most of them will disappear and they give up a runner to get the hopes of winning a derby one day. And they probably give up, they hurt their career that way, but it's, it's that trainer's mentality. That's the next project. I'm always looking to try to make the things better, but I think you're going to like the pace figures or give you an opportunity to, to try to uh, scope out the race. Um, uh, I'm sure you guys are going to have some questions. Uh, let me know. Before we finish, I um, want to just uh, update you. Some of you guys may not know we've we've done a lot of work. Uh, I mean, I've got this. Um, uh, we've gone. We we we're, we're getting members. Everybody needs to sign up for a silver membership. That way, you'll make sure you'll come on these zooms with emails once I get everybody in. What I like to do, guys, is on the silver membership. Is I like to have everybody. It's free. It doesn't cost anything to be on here. You can come on here. You can see what we're doing, and. Um, and, and kind of stays in between us, okay? Other than the product, it stays in between us. Some of the things we talk about, um, you know, if we can build up our, you know, our, our group, and, and, and some of you will move over also to the gold membership. And the gold membership would be like, we have a Zoom tomorrow night. And tomorrow night, what we're going to do is we're going to go over all these horses for the Southwest. And then as we go on through the year, once you sign, if you sign up for the gold membership, then you will have ability. We're going to be going all the two-year-old races on a Wednesday. We're going to go look at what we got, you know, the, the prior weekend or the prior week. I'll have a list of horses that I wanted you to look at. We're going to go to through your two-year-olds. So it's, it's going to become a little bit more uh, uh, condensed. It's going to be a little bit more like we're going to put a lot more um, – pressure on you to make sure you, you you stay with us and you keep notes and you follow horses and things like that. Now on Friday, this Friday, this will be our first gold membership group that's going to, we're going to do the Southwest uh, uh, handicap with picks for the card. We're going to have Brian come on for Oakland. I'm going to do Gulfstream. We're going to talk about those two. If you're not a gold member, you can just buy a simple package for Friday for $49.95 and you can come on board. So you have that opportunity too, if you don't want to sign up for a gold membership, but I really, I'm really excited about having the, you know, having not only the Tuesday ones like this and then having the Wednesday ones where we really get down deep into it. 
and then on, on, on the weekend, we'll have like, um, I had a whole list. You know, I think this weekend we got Southwest and Fountain of Youth. The following weekend, I cannot remember who we have, but it's on a newsletter that I sent you. Um, and um, we're going to have a lot of fun. So, Bruno, not only do we have Delta and Zeta, you've introduced us to gold and silver. Well, the gold and silver memberships are, you know, I people really came to me about wanting to do more, wanting me to do more with the for the Zooms. I always call them podcasts. What's wrong with me? Uh, well, we, it's all the same technology. Yeah, but they, they really wanted more about the Zooms. And so we came up with the idea, as we mentioned earlier, uh, to, to give them more. And the Wednesdays are for the members only that, that, uh, that uh, buy the packages. And we're gonna, it's going to be fun for the rest of the year, especially when we get into the two-year-old season. I think that really can be very profitable. And uh, on Friday, every Friday, we're going to cover – uh, two of the biggest races on, uh, on 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 the weekend, and that comes with products and everything. I, I, I we 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 covered it pretty good on the Zoom, so hopefully um, people want to jump in. I've got a great response, even after the the Zoom uh, call tonight. I got a number of uh, already requests to become gold members, so people like them. You know, I get nothing but great comments. Um, and, uh, I've seen you snicker at them a couple of times. I think you enjoy them. Uh, you know, and, uh, I, I just, uh, even Joe enjoys them. He leaves me alone for a couple of hours. I was just going to say the lovely dog, Joe, how does he react to all of these changes, oh, all of these new products, all of these features? He's got a little streak in him, that boy. Uh, I was, he, um, started getting restless that I was on the Zoom call. And I just bought a new comforter, and he's chewed it all up and pulled the stuffing down. <laughs> well, maybe there's a message in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, you know, you know, it's just he's very, he's a puppy. He used to sit there, and if I went out to take trash, he would do a little, give me a little present right inside the door as I came back. <laughs> so he's got, a little, he's got a little attitude, that boy, you know. Well. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No. Really? Ron, I'm disappointed. I'm going to come chew on your comforter. Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.